Would you all pray with me just for a minute? Thank you, Lord, that our world changes, our jobs change, our relationships change, our health changes, our finances change. Just about everything changes except for you. Help us to be constantly reminded that you are steady and faithful. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as your people, we don't need to be scared about the changes around us because we have you. So Lord, carry us through this morning, carry us through this year, and may our lives be all about making you known and bringing you glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's thank him one more time. I think that's a good idea. And I want to dismiss our kids and our youth, so you are free to go, and uh, we're thankful for you. And uh, I wanted to say something also. It, th- this has been a crazy last year, right? And we don't know what 2022 looks like, but in 2021, we were looking at some of the highlight video and some of the good things that God did. And there was a whole bunch of other stuff that didn't even make it in the highlight video that happened in a, in a weird, kind of a down year, if you were to say that. So I wanted to show you some of that stuff up on the screen. And we're just going to go through some of the, just the things that happened over 2021. And I just want to thank the Lord publicly for you, that you didn't run in fear from COVID and et cetera, and that you continued to gather, continued to serve, continued to meet, continued to do things in people's lives that made a huge difference. And, and so James Storehouse opened a new house in Ventura, and uh, there was prayer at the hospital and a superhero day. Uh, there was service project at Thunderbird Mobile Home Park. There were events and potluck and get-togethers with men and women and groups starting and a marriage study. All kinds of stuff happened, even in 2021. I mean, we were kind of blown away thinking about that. The other thing that blows me away is a bunch of you joined the Conejo Church family in 2021. And, and so, yeah, let's... Thank you, Lord, for newbies, right? So, and I mentioned this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, but there's something that happens when you have a new baby in your house, right? You guys have a new baby in your house, and it has changed everything. I mean, if there's a really cute... Addison, is that right? Alice, Allison? Yeah. Adeline. So please say hi to, yeah, she's pretty adorable. But what happens in a, in, a, in a home when there's a new baby, things change. And what happens in a family when there are new members, things change. And I'm excited about new life in our family this year. And so I, I want to mention this also. Some of you have gifts of hospitality and greeting and welcoming, and you make people feel good. Some of you, you make people feel not good. I'm not talking to you. But if you make people feel really good, um, your gifts are needed. We're starting a new team of welcoming and uh, following up on new people and helping them feel part of the congregation. So if you want to be part of that, let us know. In fact, we're going to meet at the little uh, food court over by Movie Co. right after the service today. So give us about 20 minutes to get over there. And let, it, let me know if you're coming, but I know some of you are already coming. And we're going to get together and just talk about how do we love people as they show up. And I know that people are looking for hope, looking for help, looking for the Lord. Hopefully, we won't keep them from him. 
We want to be the, 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 uh, the welcoming uh, hand that connects their hand to his, right? And so that's really the goal. So uh, anyway, let us know if you want to be part of that. And I put this up there because some of you turned in, uh, in the last few months, this gifts profile. Here's the idea. This is not so that we can look at it and put you to work. This is so that we can help you be who you're supposed to be. Because I keep meeting with people who have been Christians for many years and don't really understand their gifts, don't really know how to use them, don't know who to connect with to mentor them in using their gifts. So the whole idea is, how can we help you be who you're supposed to be this year so you're stoked? Not so that you're busy, so that you're un unlocked into who God has created you to be. So if you haven't done one of these, they're out in the lobby, and you can grab that on your way out and uh, send it to us or drop it off in the offering box, and we would love to get you moving in who you are. So just as an example, let's say that you feel called to some, some kind of prophetic ministry, like God is showing you stuff about somebody else's life. Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I had this picture for Scott and I got to share it with him, but you don't know how to do that. Like, how do you do that in a way that doesn't freak him out? How do you do that in a way that you know it's actually God speaking? We want to connect you with others who know that kind of thing and can help you do it well. Does that make sense? Okay, can somebody say amen before I move on? Okay, now I also want to say something else about newer people coming to join us. There was a funny week that happened in November where three of you invited friends to join you here, and then you didn't show up for a long time. So your friends were like, you know, asking like, hey, where is John? I, you know, isn't, doesn't he go to your church? And so there's this weird thing that happens when you're new, you show up on time. When you're old, you show up late. It, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's like one of Murphy's laws or something. But, but here's the thing. If somebody shows up and they're looking for a family of faith and nobody's here, it feels weird. And statistically, people decide in the first 10 or 15 minutes, like, do I want to be part of this or not? So if none of us are here and they're sitting here alone with John and Annie and me, They've already decided, like, I am not, well, maybe us, they like us. <laughs> but they're already feeling like, I don't know, because the rest of us aren't here yet. So here's what I want to ask this year. Make an effort to be here earlier so that we can love people well. Amen. Okay, okay, cool. Guilt trip? Yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah? Okay, let me say a word before we get into the teaching today. And today we're going to talk about what to do in 2022, and what not to do in 2022. Is that clear? Okay. But before we get into that, I want to say a word about Omicron. Okay. How many of you have heard of this? Okay. So um, I feel like there are two extremes that I see in my friends. Fear and uh, reckless, uh, like, like pride. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. How how come we can't have wisdom and appropriate caution and love for each other? We can do that, right? So, so that means if you don't feel well, don't come bring it to me. Right? I mean, and the Lord is bigger than all of that. But here's the thing. In Scripture, where it says do, you know, to put the Lord to the test, do you know what that has to do with? Tithing. That's the one area in Scripture where you are allowed to put God to the test. 
test me in this, it says, right? But not Omicron. It's not even, it's not in here. So, so we're going to continue gathering inside and outside. We're going to be careful with kids. We're going to be really careful with youth because we don't want to become the super spreader church. Okay? So, amen? So that means for most of us, don't hug for a month. And then you can go back to hugging like crazy. But just show some, show some restraint and some wisdom. Okay, we're good? Okay, I'm going to move on. Okay, so last Sunday was a cool tradition here at Caneo, and we call it Rock Sunday. And the whole idea, every year, we've been doing this for about eight, year, eight years, I think. And incidentally, Stacy and my, our 10-year anniversary at Caneo is, Jan, is right now, this month. So it's pretty, pretty astounding to think about that, right? So... So the word got out, and we're going to do a celebration of that at the end of January, the 30th, is that right? So we'll have a taco truck, and we'll have some people coming back that we haven't seen in a while, and it'll be a blast. So anyway, we'll, we'll have a party, because we like a party. Okay, so last Sunday was Rock Sunday, and the whole idea is ask God for a, year, a word that represents what He wants to do, not what you want to do, what He wants to do in you and through you this year. Here's how you know that it's from him, if it's kind of a surprise, or here's the, here's the one, if you don't like it. Really, I, I've seen people get a word like reconciliation, and they're like, shoot, right? So, so just be praying and asking and saying, Lord, what do you want to do in me? And is there a word that represents that? And at the end of the service today, we have rocks and pens, and you can get going. And if there's somebody that's in your family that you want to take a rock and a pen to, please take them. We have lots of rocks. They're cheap. So uh, take them to your friends and family so they can be part of it. And you guys out online, you can find a rock in your yard or at Carlson's Building Materials or Home Depot. No excuse. Okay. So we're going to get into the book of Joshua. If you have a Bible, go over there. We spent some time last week in the first few chapters of Joshua our second son, his name is Joshua, because we love this name and, and this character in Scripture. So, so just to recap, the first few chapters of Joshua, chapter 1, Moses died, passed on the leadership of the nation to Joshua, who was his aide, his right-hand man, also the general of the army. So Joshua takes over, and there's a big theme in chapter 1, be strong and courageous. Three times, God says, be strong and courageous. One time, the leaders say to Joshua, hey, be strong and courageous. Four times it happens in the first chapter. So then chapter 2, they send spies into the land. Chapter 3, they cross the Jordan River at flood stage. Massive miracle that reminds them of God's faithfulness through the Red Sea crossing. So 40 years previous, some spies went into the land for 40 days and said, we can't do it. And then they spent 40 years in the wilderness while that whole generation that doubted died off. Now they go across the, the river, great miracle again, and then chapter 4, they stack rocks. One guy from every tribe got this beautiful job of picking up a rock from the middle of the, of the river where it dried up by this miracle, carrying it on his shoulder out and setting up an altar to the Lord. And then God said, 
whenever your kids ask, what are those rocks about? You tell them about God's power and his faithfulness. Power and faithfulness. That's what this means. So this is one reason why we do Rock Sunday and write it on a rock, is God's power and his faithfulness continues. And we, we rely on him. We want our lives to be built on the rock. Jesus is called the living stone. And we are called living stones as we're connected to him. So there's this rock theme God is our, our uh, rock and our deliverer. So you see this all over Scripture. Okay, so verse uh, chapter 5 we get into next, which is all about what? Circumcision. Surprise, right? So, but there's a purpose to it. I got a couple, you know, cartoons just to lighten the moment for you. But um, so, so the, the, it's interesting that, it's, that God says, I want this generation to be circumcised, to, to clean out the memories of Egypt, the, the, um, the disgrace of the previous generation. So it's a new start, right? So, so here's something as we go into a new year. Some of you need a new start. And maybe this whole circumcision theme can give you a little you know, insight. What are you willing to give up for a new start? What are you willing to do to say, I do need to be different this year. Yes, Lord, please, make me new. And what do you need to leave behind so you can walk into something new? So being new doesn't just happen because of good intentions. Being new happens because you set something down so you can pick something better up, right? So they left behind the disgrace of Egypt and the disobedience and the sin in the wilderness, and they picked up walking into the promised land in God's faithfulness, his power. He knew that they knew he was with them. So they come to Jericho, and Jericho is their first battle. They're, this is a very decisive battle because it's a big, scary, double-walled city with excellent military, and it's kind of like how Jericho goes is how the promised land goes. So th this was the thing that needed to be under their belt in order to move forward. And they had the manpower to sort of get it done. So if you do the math, they could have attacked Jericho and taken it over a long period of time, over a long siege, and they could have lost thousands and thousands of their friends and family members and leaders. They could have done it, but it would not have been pretty. So as they're looking at Jericho, as Joshua is praying about Jericho, he, he goes up on a hill and he sees the leader of God's army, this, this guy with a sword drawn, and he, he goes, wow, that's like an angel or something. And, he, and, he, and some people think it's a, a personification or a theophany of Jesus. And so they say, you know, hey, are you for us or against us? And, and this guy says, neither. Like, whew, right? Tough guy. And, and I love this passage. And then he just says, as the leader of God's army, I got to tell you, you're on holy ground. So humbling, Joshua goes, hey, we're going to go take the promised land. Are you with us, Mr. Angel Guy? And he goes, hmm, you're on holy ground. Get on your knees. Take your shoes off. And then he gets his, his download of here is your battle plan, which is not a battle plan. So Joshua is expecting a battle plan, and God says, I want you to march around the city seven times. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go with seven uh, priests blowing seven ram's horns. They're going to have a few guards in front of it. 
The army's going to go behind. You're going to do that seven times. And then on the seventh day, you're going to do it. This, this is a big city. They're going to be out like marching around this huge, huge city. On the seventh day, they're going to do it how many times? Okay? And, and the whole time, these guys who are ready to go kill somebody, right, the, the Marines, they can't do a battle cry. They've got to chill. They've got to listen to the music and march along. That would be tough to get the Marines to just, you know, like, it's not time yet. Not to, can we go today? No, not today. How about tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. A whole week. And then on the seventh day, march seven times, then the trumpets, then the battle cry, and the walls come down. So if you're Joshua, you're a military leader, you've been in charge of the nation's army, you've fought battles in the wilderness, and you've been awesome. This guy's tough, right? And then God gives you a battle plan that's not a battle plan? It's interesting. It's humbling, right? And it's in, in our lives, I think this happens. Sometimes God tells you, here's what I want you to do, and we look at it and we're like, huh? Like, how does that make any sense? Sometimes God's plan seems pretty old-fashioned. Sometimes God's plan seems out of touch. Like, how could that work? Sometimes God's plan is not our plan because his ways are not our ways, right? Earthly wisdom, heavenly wisdom. How many of you have had a time in your life when you, you, God showed you what to do, didn't make sense, but you did it anyway, and then later on you're like, oh, now it makes sense. Raise your hand if you have had an experience like that. That was them. And he had to somehow say, okay, I got to tell the guys this, right? So he went to the nation, and they trusted him and his courage before them and before the Lord and said, here's, here's our battle plan. And so uh, I, I think it's interesting, though, that there's no attacking. They march in silence. They carry religious artifacts. And then they blow a ram's horn, which had different significances. It could mean a battle cry. It could also mean the end of the battle. It could mean, hey, everybody, look over here. Uh, it could also announce danger or announce a new king. So it has all that ram's horn had all these different things, and they all really pertain to that situation. So I, I was thinking about this. The soldiers marching around, marching around the wall on day four. Right? So let's say that, yeah, we'll do it, okay. We're... They were probably hoping to see some cracks in the wall and see something going on. No favorable like, like, situations happened at all for the first seven days. Right? Six and a half days, nothing. So I think I have a picture of that. So do you have that cartoon? So, so hey, look, we're being attacked by a Jewish marching band. So they have like this... Great look, the guys on the, on the city wall are like, really? That's all you got? And, and, I, and I think of like Monty Python, of the guy taunting from, from up on top. The wall. Do you remember this, right? I would do it for you, but it's, you may think less of me. I know all the lines. I could do it. So anyway, so, so picture the, the Jericho warriors, you know, showing off and going, you jerks. And how hard it would have been for them to just keep walking and turn away, just go like, Jack, turn away. You know, don't even look at him. And then we know what happened, right? Joshua 6.20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, 
When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. And they didn't lose a soul. God's plan protected his people. They may have thought it was a little crazy, but they did not lose thousands in a battle doing it their own way. So here's a question. Has God given you any instructions for the year? And you might say, oh, no, not yet. And I would say, it's a trick question. He actually has. He's given you this. And he has told you, here's some stuff that I want you to do this year already. And, and he's told you, here's some stuff that I don't want you to do this year already. Now, you may already have your rock word and have like a specific direction, right, that's special from last year. But even if you don't have that yet, you already have some direction. The question is, are you going to do it and do what he says, or are you going to do it your way? Because the results may vary. And, and here's the thing. If they did it their way in Jericho, they it would have been at heavy casualties, heavy loss. Doing it God's way, he protected them from all that stuff that they did not know. There's something about listening to him and his leadership in our lives that saves us from all kinds of pain. So some of you guys need to hear that. And here's the other thing I keep thinking about is, is our priority for the year happiness? Is that enough? Or could our priority really be holiness? Now, will holiness make you happy? In the long run, yeah. Will holiness be harder? Yeah, probably. But you have to choose your hard. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Doing things God's way is hard. Doing things not God's way, harder in the long run. So choose your hard for 2022. No one likes to say amen when I say stuff like that. Okay. So God showed them what to do. But notice this, he also showed them what not to do. So we're going to look at Joshua 6.18. Keep away from the devoted things. So part of the command that God gave Joshua was, go in and wipe out everything that's there because it's not yours. God was saying, the city is an offering to me. Do not keep the stuff because it's not yours. So... They, that's, the, that's the warning. He, he said, um, keep away from the devoted things so that you don't bring about your own destruction. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So you bring trouble to yourself, you bring trouble to others if you go in there and take stuff home. So he was clear with his troops, do not keep stuff. Don't do it. And if you do, it brings trouble on you, it brings trouble on everybody. So, how did they do? How do you think they did? Yeah, they did badly. So let's check it out. Joshua 7.1. The Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, uh, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the things. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Let's look at how that played out. Because the promise was it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt the nation. So Joshua 7, verse 2, they go up to the next city. They just had this great victory at Jericho. We all know that story, right? But sometimes we don't think about the other part of the Jericho story, which is their failure. So verse 2 through 5, they go up to Ai to take the next city, and they get routed, 
and a bunch of guys die. And Joshua, the leader, is brokenhearted, falls down before the Lord, and is on his face all day, tears his clothes, put ashes on his head. And then look what happens in verse 10. This is fascinating to me. The Lord says, why are you down like that? Don't you know what happened? So the Lord is not arbitrary. The Lord is not sneaky. The Lord is clear. He said, don't keep the stuff. And so Joshua, he's saying, don't you remember what I said? You guys kept stuff. That's what happened. And this is a serious matter. And so it says in verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I commanded them to keep. They took the devoted things. They've stolen, they lied, and they put it with their own, their own possessions. And then verse 13, he says, go consecrate the people. So that means to make holy the people. And then that, the last part of that verse, it says, you can't stand against your enemies until you remove the devoted things. So Joshua calls out the people. No one has fessed up yet. A bunch of guys died. The battle didn't go well. All the leaders are on their faces before the Lord. And Achan did not come out and say, I have an Achan heart, and I got to tell you about it. Right? Nothing. He kept it quiet. He lied. He covered up. No, didn't know... He didn't want to tell anybody. He didn't want to get in trouble, right? So, so Joshua calls out the, the nation by tribe, by clan, by family, and immediately God zeroes it in. It doesn't, he doesn't go through all of them. It's like this tribe, this clan, this family, this guy. And then he says, Achan, what have you done? And so he says, it's true, I sinned. And uh, against the Lord, the God of Israel, this is what I've done. When I saw the plunder of a beautiful robe from Nordstrom, from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. That's well, 1.25 pounds of gold. So that's about 30 grand. Now before I move on, beautiful robe, whole bunch of silver, 30 grand of gold. How many of you in, in the back of your mind just went, I'd like to have that? Right? There's something in us that wants to have that pound of gold, that, right? Interesting. So he's not crazy to want the thing, but he's crazy to go against the Lord, right? So then it says, he said, I coveted those and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. He didn't think his sin was a big deal. He didn't think God meant what he said. He didn't think anyone would find out. He thought this would all work out fine in the end. Have you ever had something like that in your life that didn't turn out so well? I have. And we think it's no big deal. No one's going to find out everything. That, you know, what's, what's the big deal? You know, why is this so important to God? So he didn't think his sin was a big deal, but it cost him literally everything. He and everything he owned was destroyed to make things right so that the people could move forward without him. Wow, that's heavy, right? So I feel like, um, let me take a little bit of a left turn. I feel like there are some accepted sins in the body of Christ that we, we think, that's not a big deal. How could that affect everybody? How's that even going to affect me? Pride? You know, we, we look at some leaders who are prideful and we go, man, that guy's got it together. Greed? 
That's, that's something that creeps into American churches and Christianity pretty easily, right? That person's very successful. Well, they may also be pretty greedy. How about gossip? Backbiting, talking behind somebody's back. Um, slander. Well, yeah, but the governor is a blank, right? Is that, what, what do we do with that? How does that stuff get, get out of our mouths? And we're like, wait a minute. Um, how would I represent the Lord with my language, with my thoughts, with my actions? Because there are certain things that, you know, if it's not an obvious sin, it's not on this list, it's only on this list, we tolerate it in the church. But here's the thing, there's a cost. That's why we have this story in here. When, when sin goes unchecked in our lives, there is a cost at some point. And here's the other interesting thing, it doesn't just cost us, it costs us. If you're part of the body of Christ, how many of you are part of the body of Christ? Okay, what, what did you just raise right now? Your hand. Okay, I went on a bike ride and I hurt my thumb like three months ago. It still bothers me when I take a bike ride. This just, and my thumb still works, but not for mountain biking very well. But that little teeny part, that little teeny ligament or whatever it is, is super annoying. And I wish it was fixed. And that little part, as we are all part of the body of Christ, affects the whole. It's interesting, right? Have you ever hurt your toe? Have you ever sprained your back? Just this little, have you ever bruised a rib? And you can't breathe in and you're like, ah, right? Whatever we do affects the whole. Somebody once said a chain is as strong as it's, right? In the body of Christ, he has called us to be strong together. But I think there's been an individualistic Christianity where it's like, hey, as long as me and Jesus are good, who cares about you guys? Eh, that's not really what the book says. We need to understand how, how we love, how we serve, how we sin affects others. It's just true. I know that you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but it's true. Okay, so we put ourselves at risk when we see God's words to us as optional or inaccurate or unimportant, we put ourselves at risk and we put the body at risk. So here's another one. Uh, what about things that we hold on to that are actually God's? So what are those things? Everything. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ one, then time, treasure, talent is his. It's not ours. But often we hold on to it like it's ours. Are those devoted things? Yeah, I think they are. They're supposed to be given to him because he rescued me from death and sin. And he's given me new life in him. And he says, all I have is his. So what if I hold on to it? How about this? How about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So how's that one going? Is it mine? Is it his? This is a devoted thing. Your body is a devoted thing. What are you going to do with it this year? Okay, it got really quiet. So James 4.17, one of my least favorite verses in the whole Bible, says, if you know good that you ought to do and you don't do it, it is sin for you. So if God has shown you, hey, this year you need to, and then you're like, nah, that's sinning. So it's not just a sin of commission. I'm going to go, I'm going to go kill somebody. It's a sin of omission. I'm not going to do good that I know I need to do. 
and it affects you, and it affects us. Okay, I'm just saying it because it's in here. Okay, so a few big lessons from the failure part. We all like the success part of the Jericho story, but a few lessons from the failure part of the Jericho story. God takes disobedience seriously. He pays attention. It's not because he nitpicks. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he's an ogre and he's hanging over us, watching our every move so that he can squish us. It's because he wants what's best for us and he wants to reach the planet. And sometimes we're on board with what he wants to do in us and sometimes we're not. And our disobedience affects other people. When one part suffers, all parts suffer. So chapter 8, the city of Ai is finally conquered. Amen. They got past this disobedience thing. They got out there again in faith. They trusted the Lord. They conquered the city. So there is victory even on the other side of disobedience. Some of you guys need to hear that. I don't care what you've done. I don't care you know, what your road has been, the mistakes that you've made. God is for you. He wants to use your life for his glory. He wants to repair the broken stuff. And the interesting part is, sometimes the broken part becomes the strongest part. And he uses it for his glory. I I wasted a whole bunch of time in college running away from the Lord and partying and just being stupid. And then God puts me in college ministry so that I can hang out with young adults and say, dude, you're totally wasting this year. Let me tell you what that's like because I wish I had some of those years back. God will take what you've gone through and he'll recycle it. He'll take the you-know-what and he'll make it beautiful in his time. So that's, that's just true. So here's the cycle, though. In, you come out of disobedience to confession and you say, I admit it, and he forgives you and you're back on the, on the wagon. You're, you're obeying now. And then, but sometimes we disobey again So we have to confess and be forgiven and get back into this place of obedience and I'm ready for you to bless me now. Right on? So they set up, Joshua 8.30, they set up an altar of uncut stones. Here we go with stones and rocks again. And so they re-upped their covenant with the Lord. They consecrated themselves again. They said, we have screwed up as a nation but we are back with you, Lord. And it's interesting, too, they read the whole law. Evidently, they read the first five books of the Old Testament as a nation, two million people. Somehow read the law together. They made fellowship offerings and sacrifices on this new altar of uncut stones, which means they were chiseled, uh, not using metal tools. They were just like, you know, somewhat raw. And, And so they made this beautiful altar to the Lord And then they read the law, consecrated themselves, got on their knees before him, and got back on track. So maybe you need that little piece of what we're talking about today. What does it mean to get back on track to say, you know that thing I promised, Lord, I haven't really been doing a great job. Uh, Thank you for this reminder, and thank you for your forgiveness. I want to re-up. I want to re-promise. I want to come back to you in 2022. I want to be more about holiness than happiness. I want to follow you no matter what you say. And maybe that's you. It's time to re-covenant, 
commit with him. I want to ask the band to come on back up. And so, so I think here's, I want to read another verse in a second, but, but this is an important thing. What has the Lord shown you to do? And have you been faithful to do it? And you might say, no, but here's why. Bring your butt to the Lord. Maybe there's an excuse, there's a reason, there's a hiccup, there's a pain, there's a scar, there's a memory, there's a... Right? There are as many excuses in here as there are people. There are more excuses in here than there are people. And I have some of them myself. But if the Lord has asked you to do something this year, right now say yes. Maybe it's to get in shape. Maybe it's to spend time in his word. Maybe it's to stop being isolated. Maybe it's pride or greed or gossip. Just if he's asked you to take a step, say yes. Yes, Lord, I love you. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you for putting up with me when I, when I don't do it. And I want to do it your way. And maybe the Lord has said, here's what I want you to stop doing. And have you stopped yet? You might say, well, but here's why I can't. Here's Again, bring that to him and say, Lord, help me to overcome that speed bump in my relationship with you. You've told me not to do this. Like Achan, don't take the stuff. Maybe you've taken the stuff. And God says, put it back. Get right with me. Obey me. Confess. Get, let, let's, let's get back into relationship. Let's get tight. Let's remove this barrier. And so give him that thing. So I'm going to read this, the, these last verses from Deuteronomy 30. This is Moses. This is just before the people go into the promised land, just before he died and jo, uh, Joshua took over. Um, and if these verses grab you, I want to challenge you to read the ones around them. The second half of Deuteronomy 30. I wish we had more time to get into this. It is powerful. Check it out. So he says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. In other words, what to do and what not to do. Now choose life. Why would you not choose life? He's saying. And I'm saying. And the Lord is saying to us, why would you not choose life? So that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Look at this, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land. Honestly, I feel like as a church, I feel like as a church in, in America, God is, is bringing us into a promised land that's spiritual, more than physical, and, and he has much planned for us as we're faithful to him, and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be challenging. I, I feel like it is a picture of just like the nation of Israel going into the promised land and facing this enemy and that city and having to listen, God, what's our, what's our strategy now? Now this happened. What's our strategy now? Well, God, look, look at, the, he's going to go with us every step so we can represent Jesus well. And it's going to be hard. Are you hearing me? So the question is this, what kind of life do you want? Do you want life? Do you want death? Do 
you want blessing? Do you want curse? Well, if you put it like that, of course I want life. Yeah, but are you acting it out? Are you trusting him and doing what he's asked you to do? Because it, talk is cheap. What we do with our bodies that are temples, what we do with our minds that, that are inspired, filled with his word, that's where the rubber hits the road. So this year, I want to choose life. And I want to choose his way. And I want to challenge you guys and gals to join and say, yes, I will do things his way this year. I choose holiness even more than happiness. That doesn't mean you're going to be miserable. It means, in fact, you're going to find joy and peace and wholeness in him because he promises real life. Amen. Amen? So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give you a chance to write on some rocks. So if the Lord has boiled up, bubbled up some stuff in you over this last few minutes, and you're like, oh, man, I, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, i got to pray about this, let's just bring that before the Lord. And, and that's going to be different based on what you heard from him this morning. So, Lord, we lift up right now our lives. We lift up this coming year to you. Jesus, you're the only one who knows what February and March and April and all the way through December looks like, and we don't. And so we trust you. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak into each of us by your spirit. Heal what's, what needs healing, what's, what's broken and frustrated and... and uh, what's sinful in us. We admit it. And we ask, Lord, for your healing and your help and your forgiveness. And Lord, we ask for you to give us insight. What do you want this next year to look like for me? What do you want this next year to look like for our family, Lord? For each individual here, Lord, what do you want our lives to look like for your glory? And in advance, we say yes. We re-consecrate ourselves. We say, yes, please, Lord, have your way. We choose life, not death. We choose your blessing and not your curse. We choose to be people who trust you. Your power and your love and your faithfulness are our focus. Jesus, have your way in me. And everybody said, amen. amen. And those of you who are watching this online, um, please take that seriously and spend a minute just praying if you haven't already right now. And just give the Lord this year because it's his anyway. He's the one who knows. So over this next couple of minutes, um, Scott and Julie, I wonder if you guys could be available to pray with people. Maybe one of you at each side of the stage or something. So come up if you need some prayer and something got stirred up in you and you want to just pin it down uh, and leave it here before you leave. Um, and over this next song, uh, if you have... A, a word in mind and you'd like to write it on a rock. There are rocks and pens up here. If you don't yet and you're still struggling with this whole idea, and I told this story last week, one time it took me three weeks of just sitting here and praying and nothing. Uh, one of our leaders, it took three months for her to get her word. So God, God is not really concerned with our calendars. He's concerned with our hearts. But if you keep asking and keep knocking on the door, he will answer. So over this next song, you can come up and grab a rock and write on it. You can sit or kneel, spend some time with him and just reflect and say, Lord, what do you want to do this year? And what's a word to re represent that? If you want to take a rock back with you, if you want to take it for a loved one with a pen, please do. And this is your time with the Lord. Okay.